this is Catherine. As I know, I need to stop talking. Hello, lovelies. How are we doing? It's been a mental week, hasn't it? It's been bonkers, genuinely bonkers. So obviously what I'm referring to, because you're probably thinking, Catherine, every week in your life is bonkers. And when you live with Jamie and Beth, that is a fair and valid comment to make. But no, it's been a crazy week with obviously the announcement on Monday. Was it Monday? I don't know. It feels like a million years ago. Time is weird in pandemics, I have learned. But whenever the announcement was on the roadmap out of lockdown and talking to lots of people since then and I wrote a post on the blog yesterday again time was that yesterday was that like three weeks ago who knows now it was yesterday everybody's had really very different responses to to the proposed roadmap which I I think is so natural and and so normal we've been on this kind of complete roller coaster which which none of us are off yet and it's been as unique as each of our individual circumstances And I think the key thing for me right now is there is no right way to feel. Everybody is processing all of this. Everybody is dealing with this in in different ways, in their own circumstances. I mean, call me a cynic. If I never hear about boats and storms again and any other analogies around that, it will probably be too soon. But I do completely agree with the messaging behind that analogy, which is, you know, we're we're all just dealing with this in in the way that's, that's right for us. And for some people, having hope on the horizon is a real positive For some people, that hope feels a little bit difficult to believe right now, given where we've been before. For some people, they're grieving lost ones, loved ones. For some people, they are dealing with perhaps fear of going back into a workplace or sending their children back to school. For some people, they're desperate to get their kids back in a classroom. And for some people, they're desperate never to have to let their kids go out the front door ever again. And I just think... Our scientists are amazing and have come up with amazing vaccines and treatments and and, and it's wonderful and incredible. My fear is that once we've got through the initial crisis, my fear is that we are left with an even more fractured and broken society that that we already had. So I think my, my one thing that I'm really trying to cling on in all of this is it doesn't matter what our circumstances, we can all afford to take that time to just demonstrate kindness, thought and compassion towards one another and to ourselves too, right? Because we're all dealing with, with so much. And I know that quite often anger and hatred comes out of just being being broken inside yourselves. But I think if you do nothing else this week, a little bit of kindness, both for others, but but really importantly for, for, for you as well, it's, it's going to be the key component as we try to start to rebuild, as hopefully those those green shoots become stronger and stronger. And oh my goodness, like outside at the minute, is spring not the perfect analogy for where we are with the pandemic? It's like, yes, daffodils are coming up. A weird purple flower that I don't even know the name of. I was I was in the bedroom yesterday and I looked out my window and we've lived in this house for five, five and a half years now. So I feel like I know like the garden reasonably well, but some weird purple flower I'd never seen before. It was beautiful, had just rocked up at the bottom of one of our trees. So I screamed to Mr. I know I need to stop talking to the children. I was like, come and see this. And they're like coming running going, oh my God, is it like, are the emergency services out there? Is there a crisis? I'm like, look at the purple flower. Listeners, it's safe to say they did not quite share my same level of excitement. It was fucking brilliant, purple flower. But the spring analogy, I think, is is so so true. And isn't it so much easier to feel optimistic when we've got beautiful, sunshiny weather all around us 
as opposed to pissing miserable January grey rain. Oh, my voice, my voice is really tired this morning. Apologies, I sound, I sound like I've aged 10 years overnight. That's what the pandemic has done to me. It's been 84 years. Fucking feels like it, doesn't it? Anyway, so yeah, kindness, kindness to everybody, kindness to you. It's, it's incredibly, incredibly important right now. It's safe to say that reactions in this household were very mixed to the news. Very mixed. So Beth, unsurprisingly, absolutely appalled with the government's priorities. She was like, but why am I going back to school before I can get back to football? And I sort of said, well, education's really important. And she looked at me utterly derisively, as only Beth can do, and said to me, I'm going to be a footballer. Like, duh. You just you you don't argue with Beth when when she's on tell you just like okay well well that's the order that it's in so yeah she's she's appalled mainly by by the government's poor prioritisation. Jamie's response when I said well you know schools are going to open back up again, but why? I said well it's important for you to go back into the classroom, but why? I'm learning fine here at home and I don't have to get dressed or wear anything other than a duvet, which is literally what Jamie has worn for the last however long we've been in this particular lockdown. He is now a a renowned sight in the background of of work Zoom calls as he shuffles past, wrapped in this massive duvet. So yeah, he's going to have to wear something, something slightly more substantial. I explained to him that he would need to have regular tests in line with obviously the rules within within schools, which he's not bothered about the tests himself. But again, he said, well, why do we have to do that? And I said, well, they need to know if you have COVID. And he said, well, what happens if you have COVID? And I said, well, obviously you then have to isolate for two weeks at home. And he looked at me with this gleam in his eyes and he went, right, better go around and start licking some lampposts then. I think genuinely in a, in a world population of however billion, there's probably one person who has loved life more than anything during this pandemic and genuinely hopes it will never end. And that one person is Jamie. He has, he has, he has loved life. And much as I'm keen to get my children back into the classroom, there's there's a balance there in terms of I, I remain really concerned for, for teachers and TAs and everybody working on the front line in, in education with very, very little PPA or mitigation factors in place to protect them. But I am I am keen, I think it is important for my children, no matter what Jamie tells me, no matter how he thinks, how much he thinks that that doing registration every day wrapped in a duvet, just about having managed to open his eyes is is good for him. I do think that, that the social side, more than anything, actually is, is really important for our children. However, it is also tinged with a, fuck, we are going to be doing the school run again. I kind of like blanked from my mind the school run. And of course, when were they last in school? December. So it's been however long that is, two two months, two and a bit months. The chances of any fucking item of school uniform fitting them is like zero. Can you remember the podcast last year and the hell of having to go to the shop to buy the special uniform? Because God forbid my children can't be in schools where you can just buy a fucking uniform from the supermarket. No, we have to queue up at the special shop, which understandably has mitigation factors in place. So only one person can go in at a time and it takes four fucking ever. And then you get back home and you've bought the wrong fucking size because they can't try the fucking uniform on because of COVID measures. Ah! So maybe actually I will petition to Jamie's school that actually I think the school uniform policy should be expanded in light of the time the children have spent in lockdown. And the core component of school uniform should become a duvet because that would that would like work for Jamie and that would work for me as well. 
So yeah, we have to, possibly this afternoon, I feel like I'm yet to gather the strength this morning, but possibly this afternoon, we are going to have to get out the school uniform. I, I genuinely, I don't even know where the school uniform is. That's a worry in itself. I keep trying to reassure myself by telling myself the children didn't come home from school on the last day naked. So the school uniform must therefore be somewhere in the house. But we've also had a massive clear up recently and have thrown out multiple bags of what I hope and believe were rubbish, but now fear may have contained items of school uniform. Oh, it's going to be a bitch of a week, isn't it? So I'm going to have to work through all that. Then we've got school shoes. School shoes. School shoes, which I just bought new. And as any parent listening to this will know, school shoes cost the fucking earth, particularly when you've got teenage boys whose feet are larger than yours. And you're like, how much? I mean, I thought I spent a lot on my shoes. It's nothing compared to school shoes for teenage boys. And I wouldn't mind if they lasted and I at least had kind of reassured myself well it's okay because they you know they they don't last ages but they'll they'll last for a period of time and they'll get good use out of it and then I spent time with Jamie and until I had Jamie I never realized and, and I love shoes and I've got a lot of pairs of shoes and I've worn worn my shoes to, to the death I didn't realize it was possible to wear shoes so vigorously that you wore through the sole of them. I genuinely didn't think that could happen. But Jamie's done this now, not once, not twice, but three times. Three times he's come to me and said, I think I need some school shoes. And I'm like, we only bought your new school shoes, like, last month. And he's like, yeah, well, I, I, I think I need some new ones. And I've done the, oh, it's fine, what's the matter with them? I'm sure it'll be okay. And then he's literally come to me and thrust his arm through the sole of the shoe. Yeah, you probably do need some some new school shoes. So I've I've got that joy as well. I have at least found Jamie's school shoes, so that's one up on the on the school uniform. I didn't quite find them in the manner that I'd hoped to. So, like lots of people, I'm sure working from home, I've barely used my car recently. It's been sat on the drive. And I went to open it the other day because I had to I had to go out and it smelt quite funky. Now, when you've got two kids, you're used to used to the car smelling reasonably funky. I thought, what's that? Oh, I know, it was when I was taking the cat to the vets. And I thought, well, it's a cat and, you know, she's ill. And, and to be honest, I had like, you know, multi-hundred pound vets bills on my mind. So I didn't spend too long to, to investigate. Well, a couple of days ago, opened the, the back door to the car, which I rarely do, but I needed to put something in the back. And there, almost like, you know, in cartoons, when something smells bad and it has like a, a green haze around it with flies, that was basically Jamie's shoes, which he'd left damp and festering on the last day of term in the back of the car. I said, why are your shoes in the back of the car? He said, why wouldn't they be in the back of the car? And I, and I, and I just don't know how to have that argument when somebody thinks that genuinely, of course, of course my shoes should be in the back of the car. I said, did you not have them on your feet when you went into the house? And of course, long time blog readers and podcast listeners will know, Jamie has a, a pretty laissez-faire approach to, to when he gets shoes on. I once had the phone call from school to tell me that Jamie had come to school minus his shoes. And he, yeah, he has a, even every morning I drive him to school. I'm like, okay, it's time to go out the car. Off you go. I just need to put my shoes on. And when I said to you to get ready at the, at the front door, what part of you didn't think to put your shoes on at that point? He was like, well, I've got loads of time. I'll do it in the car. So obviously the, the same applies in reverse that he gets into the car and, and, and takes off his shoes. So yeah, my, my car smells of shit and I'm almost certain these shoes have, have got holes in the, in the sole of them. So effectively I've had them in my car stinking out for no good reason whatsoever. Oh, back to school, you beautiful beast. It's going to be a week and a half. And as if that wasn't enough excitement for this week, other great excitement, and it is great excitement when you've been in lockdown as long as we all have now, we're going to the dentist. 
genuinely really excited. It's a bit like when I went to the vet. So I was like, oh, it's a day out. So all three of us, me and Jamie and Beth, are off to the dentist this week. We haven't been for, well, since the start of the pandemic, because entirely understandably, they've been prioritising emergency treatments. So we've not had, it'll be the only time I think in my life that I haven't had a regular six month checkup. Anyway, phoned up and we are going to the dentist. And those of you who are long time, and I do mean long time blog readers, will be familiar with our somewhat infamous chequered history at the dentist. But we've got lots of new readers, lots of new listeners, so I've, I thought it, it might be might be perhaps nice to share with you some of the some some of the the moments that I swear to God, again, until I had kids, I didn't even imagine this kind of shit could happen, and and least of all that it could happen to me. And yet, I I swear, all three of these stories are are absolutely true. And frankly, I'm amazed I haven't been struck off the fucking dentist. So, so perhaps the most legendary dentist trip, and, and there is a bit of a spoiler alert in the title of this podcast, but perhaps our most legendary dentist trip was one that happened, it was a number of years ago now, so I'm going to say that Beth was probably about five or six. And both kids have always been really good with the dentist. Dental hygiene is very important in our household, so they've been going since they, since they were tiny. So we went along to the dentist. It was, I think it was a Thursday afternoon. We went along and we waited in the waiting room and they were very good. And then we went in and I said to them, who wants to go first? And Jamie wanted to go first, so fine, he got in the chair, they did his teeth, fine, all good. It's quite quick with kids, isn't it? So it kind of went through, but all good, thorough check, everything's fine. So I said to Beth, you're going to go next. So fine, no problem, she got into the chair, she opened her mouth nice and wide. And the dentist started doing doing the checks and sort of went through them very thoroughly and, and then kind of sort of did, did this really kind of odd facial expression and, and then seemed to speed up a little bit still thorough but seemed to speed up and kind of wouldn't quite make eye contact with me okay fine no problem probably had a long day looking at small children's teeth probably the last thing you want to do although I guess as a dentist that's you probably do a lot of that so then it was my turn I got into the chair checked my teeth again still a bit awkward still kind of didn't entirely make make eye contact with us and then said right you're all fine everything's okay and I said should I book a, a follow-up in six months he went yep yep no, that's fine and, and seemed quite keen to get us out of there quite quickly so went out paid got into the car and on the way back we were just kind of chatting Beth was quite quiet I said are you all right and she smiled at me I, I will always I remember exactly where I was on the road I remember exactly I was just slowing down at a roundabout and she smiled at me through the rear view mirror and I said you're right she said, Mummy, can I tell you something? I said, yes, darling, of course you can. When that dentist's hand was in my mouth, she said, I was licking his glove. <laughs> of course you were. Of course you were licking the dentist's glove. At this point, I practically had to pull over because Jamie literally collapsed in hysteria to the point that I actually thought that he was going to throw up. He was hysterical. So yeah, Beth, Beth licked the dentist. The brilliant postscript to this is I had to phone up the dentist a few weeks later to book in an appointment. And I asked by name for the dentist that I'd had. And I said, can I see this particular dentist? And no word of a lie. <laughs> the receptionist goes to me. Uh, no, unfortunately, uh, Mr. Sonso has, has actually now left the practice. <laughs> Now, I'm sure that he didn't leave the practice because Beth licked him consistently throughout her, her five minute appointment. I'm sure that that wasn't the reason why. And yet it does seem a very strange coincidence. 
So that was that was the, the that was the original the moment of the of the dental the dental madness kicked off. So yeah, Beth Beth licking licking the dentist. It's just such a good mental image. His hand in her mouth and her just steadily lick. I said, did you just do it once? No, all the time, all the time. His his hand was in my mouth. Okay, cool. So so that was dentist trip trip number one. And then I think by the time we went back, this was a couple of visits later, I think we had a couple of normal ones, which was good. We'd met the new dentist. And then we had another, we had another new dentist and we'd gone along to the appointments. And as most parents will have found out, if you go to the dentist appointment with your kids, the really big disadvantage is while you're lying in the chair with your mouth open, you are unable to shout at them tell them off, tell them to stop doing things, or even give them the look because your eyes are pointing in the wrong direction. Your eyes are pointing at the ceiling. So you can't do the parenting look, which is a fucking nightmare. So I was lying in the chair and I have various issues with my teeth. So it always takes a little while. And I said to the kids, right, just sit down quietly and behave yourselves. And I'm going to get my teeth checked. And so after the usual argument over who was going to sit on the one chair in the corner of the dentist's surgery, because there's always one chair, isn't there? And there's always one too few chair for the number of children. So that argument passed. I said, right, sit there and be good. And absolutely unprompted, I apropos of nothing, they just decided to descend into some fantasy world. And I'm pretty certain Beth was a ringleader. And she kind of went, oh, Jamie, you know, it's nice, this this dentist surgery, isn't it? He said, yeah. She said, I, I wish we had a chair like this at home in our, in our house. And Jamie said, yeah, he said, it's quite big. Where Where would we keep it? Beth said we could we could keep it in the bathroom. Jamie said, oh yeah, we could do that. And she said, where we get locked when we don't behave ourselves. I've never locked my children in the bathroom in their lives, but why let that get in the way of a good story, eh, Beth? So Jamie then picked up on this theme. He was like, oh yeah, the um the bathroom where we where we get locked. You mean with all those chemicals, Beth? And Beth was like, yeah. And and both of them have a really unnerving ability to be totally deadpan. All those chemicals, we get locked in there with all those chemicals. It's very sad, isn't it, said Jamie. Yes, said Beth, when we're locked in the bathroom for days and days with only those chemicals to eat. So at this point, I'm practically gesturing with my hands to the dentist to go, go faster, go faster. They finally finished. I sit up and I'm like, ha, 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 ha. You know how you overcompensate as a parent? Ha, 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 ha. How ridiculous. Of course you're never locked in the bathroom with chemicals. I sounded really unconvincing. So I really hope that my dentists know I've never locked my children in the bathroom with only chemicals to eat. And they are little fucking liars. But yeah, that was, that, that was a treat. But, but possibly the, the one that's, that stuck in my, in my memory more recently, because it was only a couple of years ago, was we were back, back in the dentist. They'd done the kids. I'd given them strict instructions to, oh no, that was the other thing on the, on the last one. Then, then they started chatting about, and Jamie was like, oh yeah, all those chemicals and, and those, those cigarettes. And, and I was like, gobsmacked, because neither myself or Mr. I know I need to stop talking have ever smoked. And Jamie was like, yeah, I get, I get those cigarettes. And, and Beth's egging him on, what do you do with those cigarettes, Jamie? I take them to school and I sell them for money. I'm like, this is lies. This is absolute lies. The dentist's like, yeah, yeah, sure it is. So yeah, after that, after the, that little spectacular moment, we were back in the dentists and it was the same dentist of the, of the previous debacle. And they were doing your teeth and they, they have that stuff. I, I know nothing about dentistry. So apologies if you work in dentistry and you're like, idiot, this is not the correct terminology. But they put that stuff in. Is it pressurised air to like clear all the spit out? 
again, there's probably a technical term for that. Well, whatever they're doing with it. They were doing my teeth and they had the, the pressurised air. And, and Jamie, obviously realising that he wasn't allowed to talk about selling cigarettes at school, what the fuck, decided that he would helpfully tell Beth that they were gassing me. So Beth's... <laughs> Beth, who's very, very loyal to me, started going, what, Jamie, no, they're not gassing mummy. They are, he said very, very seriously again, totally deadpan face. Beth's like, my mummy, my mummy. And I'm like gesturing with my hands in what I hope is like a reassuring way. But obviously to Beth, thinking I'm being gassed probably looks like I'm in some kind of struggle. So I, the dentist broke off and I sat up to explain to Beth I wasn't being gassed. She was like, okay. But then Jamie was whispering something to her that I, I couldn't hear. And you could see her looking at that dentist like, you better not be gassing my mum. Well, I kind of thought that, that that was the end of it until, again, long-time readers will remember at that time, Beth was obsessed with applying for her gold Blue Peter badge. Gold Blue Peter badges for the uninitiated can only be, you only get one effectively by either doing something incredible, like, I don't know, climbing Mount Everest, or by saving someone's life. And there were a few too many conversations for my comfort around that time with Beth, along the lines of, how would I be able to save your life? And I was like, well, I'd have to be dying first, wouldn't I? How could that happen? Okay, let's not go down this, this route of inquiry. So we kind of got back into the car, explained to Beth, everything was fine, that's completely normal at the dentist, it's just the, the, the air or whatever it is, I'm all fine, I haven't been gassed. The next day, she came downstairs and she presented me with, with this picture with some, with some writing on it. And I said, tell what's that? She said, it's my letter to Blue Peter for my, for my gold badge. And I said, um, okay, talk me, through, talk me through your rationale as to why you believe you should receive a gold badge. She said, I saved your life. I said, really? And she then, <laughs> she then read me out the letter and, and showed me the picture, which was a, I was going to say, a picture of me that suggests it was an accurate portrayal. It was a interpretation of me at the dentist, lying down in the chair, there was quite a lot of detail, including my stripy jumper that I was wearing, and a, a, an evil dentist in the background going, ha it's the gas, and then Beth kind of in superhero mode at the bottom. And she, she wrote this letter to, to Blue Peter, which said, Dear Blue Peter, I think that I should have my gold Blue Peter badge because I saved my mum's life because she was at the dentist and my brother Jamie said that they were gassing her and I did not want them to gas my mum. So I said, no, no. And mummy said, it's okay. They're not gassing me. And I thought that she was dying, but it was just the gas. God love Blue Peter. And if you work, <laughs> if you work in Blue Peter, because again, if anybody's never applied for a Blue Peter badge, they do a brilliant job. They respond personally to each kid. So they sent her back a lovely letter. She didn't unsurprisingly get her gold Blue Peter badge, but she did get her silver badge. So they did actually give her a badge. But some poor bugger sat in the Blue Peter editing office must have been like, what the fuck is this? What is, what is this family? And I, and I suspect that's probably what is marked on our dental record at the dentist. What the fuck is this family? So I'm really hoping for a very normal, straightforward visit to the dentist this week. I'm not holding my breath. I'll report back. It's Wednesday morning. I suspect it's probably ripe for, for a story for, for next week's next week's podcast. So yeah, school shoe buying, school uniform finding and a trip to the dentist. I'm living the fucking dream. Look after yourselves, lovelies. As I say, please be kind to everybody, but most of all to you. It is strange, difficult times, but the sun is shining. The weird purple flowers have rocked up in my garden and I am confident that brighter, better days are ahead. Take care, stay safe and I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye bye.